Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring a chapter from No Quarter, Wenches, the complete series, a piratical suspenseful romance written by M.J.L. Evans and G.M. O'Connor. Behind every successful pirate is a cunning wench. The adventures in the Caribbean continue in Port Royal, Jamaica. In 1689, Atia Crisp finds herself imprisoned in the wickedest city on earth, Port Royal, Jamaica, while the refugees from Dr. Strangeway's plantation in the Blue Mountains are on the run and seeking a new home deep in the Caribbean. Captain Jean-Paul Laroche must get them to safety and find a way to liberate the woman he loves while waging a war against the English with the pirate Laurens de Graff. While besieged people suffer and starve, a group of women form a secret and illegal society deep from within the bowels of the city called Wenches, a network that deals with smugglers, merchants, cutthroats, and thieves. Dragged into the struggle for supremacy of the Caribbean, the women are divided and find themselves engulfed in bloodshed. The pirates of Port Royal and former enemies may be their only hope of escape. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from No Quarter Wenches. The Barmaid's Apprentice Morning sunshine beamed down the rickety wooden cart, transporting fish, meat, and dry-baking goods. Crates were being unloaded from the boats in the harbour and then placed onto wagons for transport to the merchant exchange. Artia patted her forehead with a barmaid apron. It's torture. Can we quit now? It's only seven bells, love. Glenda took over the cart. Fish and bakehouse smoke hung heavy in the air. Atia's nose wrinkled. I need a drink. Every morning we gotta get fresh fodder from the turtle crawls and supplies on the way back. Sometimes we have to make stops at the other taverns and inns where we pick up messages and sometimes mail. Don't Port Royal have post service? Atia asked. The last postman was put to death for corruption and spelling shit. Now. The black dog in his back there, and the sign of the mermaid over there. And this is the king's landing, and there's king's dock. And them big warehouses are, let me guess, king's warehouses. You do catch on fast. A male passerby groped Glenda's boobies, pulling them from her corset. The bastard, Atia exclaimed. Glenda popped them back in and continued with a smile. You're just gonna let him get away with it? What? Pout? Cause some randy old sea dog grabbed at me bubbies? Happens every day here, love. Get used to it. Mine are the biggest in town. And by the end of the day, I got hand-shaped bruises all over him. I'm glad you got a pretty set. It'll take some of the pressure off. Well, Diddy's brings in the customers, eh? Sometimes they're the only reason we get any at all. You learn your own way of handling the men in the city. 
Well, me style is grab em and take your chance on losing a tooth or a ball. Glenda shrugged. Suit yourself. But don't say I didn't warn you. And don't you ever start a fight in Swiftshire. If a fight is inevitable, we'll lead them outside where the militia can deal with them. Or better still, lure them to the four fevers where they can disrupt the old bitch, Mrs. V. Mrs. V? Aye, Lady Valentine, Bleeding Art's wife, Major Landowner, and Major Bitch. She's always out to get us. Why don't you get her first? I like you. There's a tavern rivalry round the Wary Bridge. She's caused me a headache or free. We are her one, I think. Down at the docks, Artia recognized a badly scarred fisherman smoking a pipe. It was Snuggles, Snuggy, Maxwell, of the League of Old Fishermen, a friend to Dr. Strangeways who helped her escape to the doctor's plantation. Say, I know you. Snuggles glanced up, his pitted face leathery, emphasized in the morning sun. Never seen you before. On your way, wench. My mistake, sorry, sir. She took a turn, pushing the cart. Pay him no mind. Them fishermen are just grumpies, all. Folks are on edge cause the new government and war is coming. Nobody sure who's on whose side. Glenda motioned to another dock. Smith's landing, and we're walking our way up to Swiftshire. Two men argued next to the merchant vessel, where settlers disembarked. One dressed in shiny buckle shoes and a finely tailored suit, while the other wore plainer business attire. There are ships and nooding on my docks without clearance. I have legal right to fire on those peasants for trespassing, one barked. Glenda introduced the fancy one as Richard Pepys, and the other as Pepys the harbour master. Stay clear of them peeps, brothers. Their family is all high and mighty in the London Navy, so that makes them high and mighty here. If you cross them, you'll get hanged. Captain White ordered civilians who pass inspection are to be unloaded as top priority, harbour master peeps argued. They sound as charming as any Port Royal official. I prefer pirate company myself, Atia said. Richard Pepys glowered. We should let them all starve on their ships. Be careful what you wish for. Pirates account for more winch deaths than anyone. Why didn't someone protect the winches? Artia asked. Some do, like bleeding art. There's even a law. You're not allowed to kill women without a good reason. But no one cares about us winches. Them laws don't get enforced. Then winches should stick together and watch out for one another. We tried. The business owners and the government said it's bad for the economy and women ain't allowed to congregate. What's that? It ain't legal for women to meet and talk without a man present. Glenda indicated to another block. That's owned by Umfrey Freeman, one of the old captains of Port Royal. He's another grump. Best avoid him. And this is the forge 
and the Georgian dragon, owned by the Beestins, one of the richest families here. But Beastie Bill himself is in England on trial for corruption, so his wife runs things. There's taverns on every block, so you can see why we'd need to bring in customers. Until the war picks things up, there ain't enough drinkers to go round. Plus, there's the anti-drunkenness law. In the wickedest city on earth, times be tough. Has anyone ever drank at all the taverns in one day? Atia mused. It ain't never been done, but we used to have Henry's pub crawl every year. A competition to survive a drink at every Port Royal tavern. Not a single man, nor Henry Morgan, ever finished. In fact, Henry resigned himself to officiating the event from the king's arms, so he never did any crawling again. This is the pirate, Henry Morgan. Aye, he was governor at the time, Glenda chuckled. Oh, the late 70s and early 80s were happening times here. It's a pity you missed it. Another passerby groped Glenda's boobies and said, Good morning. Atia stopped. How would you like it if I just up and grabbed you by the cock? The passerby came back. Oh, grab away, love. Never mind. What a stupid thing to say. I must be a little tired. You'll get the hang of it. The men in this town can be a handful. Just ask the strumpets. Oh, and you're gonna need something to wash up and wipe with. We'll stop here at the art store. Atia smirked. Do you all wipe yourselves with hats? They sell sea sponges, silly girl. Sea sponges in a hat shop? Hundreds of men's and ladies' hats line the walls of Howard's hat shop. Tri-cornered, cavalier, French hoods and pleated hats came in a multitude of colours all adorned with feathers, lace, or gold buttons. Atia paused at the selection of coifs. Morning, Mrs. Howitt, Glenda began. Mrs. Howitt scrutinized Atia. You don't look like you can afford one of my hats. We're here to buy young Atia a sea sponge. I have those. Mrs. Howitt took out a box from behind the counter. Atia was perplexed. Sea sponges? Of course. Don't tell me you don't know what a sea sponge is for. You can use them to cool off on a hot day, to washing your backside. What the hell do you use in Barbados? Don't tell me. I don't want to know. Glenda paid for two sponges with a silver coin and led her back to the busy street. And here we are, back at home base. This is Honey Lane, and there's Lockyer's, Corker's House, the watchmaker at Blondel's Clocks and Pope's Tobacco, and the uptown meat shop, so the rich don't have to go all the way down to Turtle Crawls. They're advertising salmon from Ireland. Are you expecting me to remember any of this? Atia asked, "'Cause you lost me at the boobies part.' When they arrived at the Swiftshire, Glenda frowned at the dangling sign above the entrance. "'Bloody signs broke again. 
We'll deal with it later. Help me get this stuff sorted out. Nessie helped them to unload, organize, and stock the pantry shelves. The fish and turtle meat were delivered to the kitchen for preparation in stew and pies. We're out of Santiago rum, Nessie said. Alicat is due in today. She'll have us stocked with all the Caribbean favorites. Atia tossed beets, onions, and imported potatoes in a basket on the counter. Alicat? What are the ships we buy spirits from? And many other legally questionable imports. You can get anything in the world in Port Royal. You just gotta know the right captains. We got a boat coming in all the way from Italy next month. Where is Italy? Nessie asked. Glinda thought for a moment. Far away. Some ships only come in once a year, or even every two years. Cause it takes that long to buy their goods from ports all over the world. Some, like Alley Cat, come in at the same times every year. They sail with the yearly wind cycles to get the most out of their trip. Now, grab them satchels and follow me down to the oven. Atia and Nessie grabbed the baking supplies and followed Glenda down a flight of old brick steps into a dark area where glowing flames could be seen through a grate. Perspiration rolled down Atia's neck and her armpits were wet. She found herself with her apron. Glenda laughed. I eat is hot in here. The walls are brick and there ain't no vents. They don't even have ovens from New Street up. They have bakehouses in the backyards. Old Marshall King made it law because the houses are so close together. He's right. Port Royal's had its share of fires, and he and his men have put out every one of them. We had one a while back, when Gator Gar was here, but you know that. Glenda lifted some pies from the fire using a wide wooden lifter. Nessie leaned close to Atia. Is it true your Gator Gar's girl? I don't call him that. But I, it's true. I heard he's a hundred years old. He can be, Atia said. They call him the Capitan, La Salle, and La Sage, Glenda said. What do you call him? Nessie wondered. Mon amour. Glenda and Nessie oohed and awed, wiping the sweat from their brows. Don't stay in here too long. Glenda checked the pies. We'll let them simmer here a bit. She guided them back out and bolted the iron door. She led them to the back entrance to the cellar. Atia noticed a small, secretive door. You don't want to go in there. That used to be an old office to the old loading bay. But the ground's breaking up and sinking. I broke through the floor once and hurt my leg. I was stuck for hours. And Doc Strangeways took wood out of me leg to get it out. That must have been some pain, Nessie said. Not that I recall, Glenda pondered. Now Doc Strange had some special blend mix. Oh, I could go for some of that. Atia followed them upstairs to the patio door, 
and returned to the bar. Lively as ever, Nessie said. Glenda glanced around. Careful what you wish for. Aye, another ale, here, a pirate called. Nessie collected his mug and went to the bar. A man in the darkest corner of the tavern flipped through papers and cursed under his breath. At your love, make a net of all the bottles we're running low on and go to the back for more, Glenda said. Aye. Atia found a scrap of paper and a quill and took notes, while Glenda approached the man in the corner. Can I get you a drink, Mr. Freeman? You don't come in here too often. Only when I don't want to be recognized. He raised his head to reveal a face full of scars and a previously broken nose. Sorry. A drink? An ale. Nothing heavy. That stuff they got at the feathers blows me up like a weather sail. Freeman adjusted his tri-cornered hat. Glenda motioned to Nessie. I like ale for this gent. Right up. And use one of the pewter steins. Nessie's mouth gaped. Oh, is he rich? Get on and mind your taps. Nessie approached Atia. He looks old. A friend of yours. Off with you. Nessie filled a stein and took it over, collecting some shiny coins. Thanks. You know, they say this tavern was Henry Morgan's favorite back in the day. Every tavern was Henry Morgan's favorite. Did you know him? Morgan? I saw him get round. Did you know him? No, he's before me time here. I'm Nessie. Nessie from Loch Ness? Aye, how do you know? Lucky guess. I think the woman with the ample boobies wants you back at the bar. Nessie curtsied. Aye, thanks. Don't mention it. Freeman went back to his papers. Nessie went to the bar to huddle with Atia and Glenda. So, who's he then? Nessie asked. Mr. Freeman, Glenda explained. He was ship's carpenter for Henry Morgan. He even led pirate raids against the Spanish when we was at war. Are all the pirates old and grey? All the good ones. He owns the king's arms down the street. Nessie's eyes grew large. Then he is rich. A man with dark skin arrived at the Swiftshire entrance. Sorry, love. Slaves ain't allowed to drink in here, Glenda said. He's with me, Freeman waved the slave over. You're Bob, I take it. Rafiki. Close enough. You got a message for me? Rafiki handed over a note. Captain White says the Whigs have reversed all the land grants under King James. Artia carried on checking the bottles, but she could plainly hear the conversation. All land grants from Admiral Penn and General Venables from 55 will stand. And mine was given to me by Governor Doyley before King James was even on the throne. Why is this my problem? I don't know. Rafiki stated. Captain White fears the Navy and Bleeding Art combined won't be able to protect our merchant ships. 
and all our merchandise will be taken by pirates, and all our businesses will go broke. Funny, it's usually how we win. Freeman gave a gruff laugh. They're taking Morris's plantation, and Rowdy Belfort's widow is losing her house. These wigs do play rough. Drunken patrons stumbled in, calling for drinks. Getting too crowded for me here, Freeman said. Well, nice talking to you, Bob. Best of luck with the Othello audition. Keep in touch now. Rafiki left by the front door, while Freeman headed out the back, tossing Glenda a coin on the way. Artia checked her list. There were seven empty bottles. She went to the storage room and brought out all the replacements she could find. All counted, marked, and new ones put out. You got some empties that don't got no replacements? Glenda took out a hammer from under the bar and handed it over. What's this for? Atya asked. Go fix the sign. Glenda passed her two nails. Me? Aye. There's a ladder down in the loading bay. Atia cursed quietly on her way down the stairs. She lifted the stepladder off its hook and lost her balance, toppling sideways onto the dock. Jupiter's cock! She screeched, nearly crashing into passers-by. Hey, girlie, that don't float! came a sinewy voice. Someone grabbed Atia's hand and steadied the ladder. Where are you headed with that, Spanish town? Artie saw a tall, thin man with sizable teeth giving her an amused grin. The sign? She pointed, and the younger man secured the ladder. Thank you both. You're new at this, ain't you? At falling in the water. Nay, I do it all the time. I'm looking for Mr. Freeman. Grey-haired chap, curses a lot. Have you seen him? Artia shook her head. Don't know him. Like you said, I'm new at this. The well-dressed man with large teeth studied her face. Jane, go in and see if he's about. The younger man went inside. Artia climbed the ladder and readied the hammer and nails. The man with a sinewy accent steadied the ladder. Thanks kindly, Atia said. Careful now. Take your hand, shake a bit, sir. Oh, was that me? He then balanced her with his hands on her bottom. Steady now, Atia sighed. You know, you should really have a slave do this. Are you volunteering? Not with my knees, but we could work out a payment plan. I can't buy a slave when I am one. Atia stepped up further to hold the sign in place. A woman as pretty as you shouldn't have to work. A man as tall as you don't get to look up a girl's dress too often. She started hammering while he rummaged through the loading bay a moment. You know, nails ain't gonna cut it. Next door we'll knock it off again. He handed her a metal link. Now bolt it to the frame. Artie lined it up with the frame and hammered. The younger man, Jane, re-emerged. Looks like we missed him. 
I know we did. The young lady here all but told me so. You ain't missing a thing here, though. We'll catch Freeman at home. Go wait in the car, Jane. Woof, woof. Jane left. Apologies. He's becoming his father, the tall man said. Adia climbed down to admire her handiwork. Well, thanks again. Your lips curl when you lie. You should watch that. He gave a wide grin and tipped his hat. Allow me to introduce myself. Captain Arthur Valentine, at your service. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking to? My name's Atia. Aye, the little pikey that's got all the compasses in Port Royal pointing north. I must bid you adieu for now, Miss Atia. But perhaps sometime soon, you'll care to join me for a drink. Well, you know where to find me. That I do. For a moment's company with you is like a fresh new day. He caught his walking stick and ambled away. Good day to you, Atia. Another charming old bastard, Atia said to herself. We hope you enjoyed listening to this sample chapter from No Quarter Wenches. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.